Chronicity, a state of prolonged duration, recurrent, habitual, chronic. A new mini-series on chronic pain and illness by your friends Matt and Phil from Semi-Intellectual Musings. We go beyond medical diagnosis to explore the often forgotten political, social, and personal sides. You'll hear stories from extraordinary people overcoming extraordinary challenges. Authors, entrepreneurs, volunteers, coaches, and caregivers. They are so much more than their diagnoses, yet each have found ways to persevere. You'll also hear some familiar voices from the indie podcast community. Showing that art, creativity, and passion are possible while living in chronicity. These stories and more starting April 1st at thesim.podbean.com. Did you already mention where, where Danny Bonaducci is today? Uh-uh. <laughs> I lost interest. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. Welcome, everyone, to the Gravity Beard Podcast. We're recording today in Studio A. Thank you, as always, to our listeners. We appreciate your continued support. Hello, world. We're excited about today's show for a couple of reasons. First, this is another installment of Where Are They Now?, and secondly, we're joined again by some longtime friends of the show. They've been on several times. It's Paul and Donna from Varmints. Donna reached out to us some time ago and asked if we could do a discussion on the Partridge family. Of course, we said yes. I do have this note to add. This episode was originally recorded in late October of last year. Sadly, about a month later, David Cassidy, who played Keith Partridge and arguably was the biggest star of the Partridge family, died of liver failure at age 67. So please bear in mind that we didn't know that at the time that we had our original discussion. Let's get started. This is Gravity Beard. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, thanks. So individually <laughs> and together, you guys have become regular guests here. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I remember when I first heard your show, I was like, maybe I'll be on the Gravity Beard podcast someday. And now I've been on like three <laughs> or four times. It's awesome. Thank you. I know. And in return, I think my children have been on your show like twice. So somewhat recently, you guys contributed to our series of bad date stories. Mm -hmm. And now you've returned to discuss Aware Are They Now? And this one is actually by special request from Donna herself. Yes, Donna myself. Yeah. So Donna, why don't you kick things off and tell us what we'll be discussing today? Come on, get happy, because we're going to talk about the Partridge family. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what we're doing. We are going to do a Where Are They Now in the Partridge Family. And by the end of this episode, you will know where all of them are. Yeah. Or where they not, are not. I know where yeah, they're not, not. They're not here in my room. <laughs> <laughs> where are they? <laughs> that reminds me when Cliff Clavin appeared on Jeopardy. I don't know if you remember that episode of Cheers, but it was pretty fantastic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, do I don't that. remember. I, I believe the, the punchline was, was what, are, what are four people that have not been in my kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty. That was a pretty genius answer to the to the final Jeopardy question, <laughs> involving a short list of celebrities that were in, in the question. Nice. Oh, Any, anyway, uh, without further ado, Donna, let's get us started. Okay, the Partridge Family was uh, an American musical sitcom, and that kind of show is gone now. Like a variety show, music show that that's gone. It's all The Voice and American Idol and stuff like that. All this sort of. We're going to have a musical once a week. It's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I miss it. I think it. Pop Rock killed that. 
the show starred Shirley Jones and featured David Cassidy. Jones played a widowed mother, and Cassidy played the oldest of her five children who embarked on a music career. The show ran from the, uh, September 25th, 1970 until March 23rd, 1974 on ABC. And, and then it had subsequent runs in syndication. The family was based on the real-life musical family, The Cow Sills who was a popular band in the 1960s and early 70s. And we've done quite a bit of research about those guys sort of, you know, by accident while you're re researching the Partridge family, you're going to read all this stuff about the Cowsills. And I actually watched a little mini documentary that was done by the family. And it was neat because it had Shirley Jones talking to the... I can't remember his name now. I think his name is Brian. I'm not sure, but... Uh, so, something Cowsill. Yeah, something Cowsill. <laughs> now, are, are you guys surprised Billy, that the show only lasted four years? I am, because it was in syndication for so long in reruns that I, I really thought that it had a longer run, but... Nope. Yeah, it's it's like it's like Gilligan's Island. The way we talk about it today, you would have thought that it ran for 10 years. Exactly. Yeah. First... Or Star Trek. I think Star Trek only ran for like three or four three, seasons yeah. as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, amazing. But but it's it's uh, how how would you say it? It's such a huge part of our of our, our cultural history, our mm -hmm. pop culture history. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think I yeah. read somewhere yeah. that the cow sills were actually supposed to be in the show, and they wanted to replace the mother with uh, Shirley Jones, and then the the rest of the kids said, "No, we're you, you're going to take all of us or none of us." Right. So they all backed out. Well, the dad said no. Apparently. That oh, I, dad they said were, no. okay. yeah, they were talking about that with the in the documentary I was watching, and Shirley Jones was. They were just talking about the time period and all that. And, and I, I think we'll touch on this note a little bit later. But you know, kind of the Partridge Family were to the Cowsills what the Monkeys were to the Beatles. Right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, the same studio that did the Monkeys did the Partridge Family. Oh, how fun! <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. um. There, you know, it was a really, really, really popular show, and so I'm surprised it had such a short run. So it sounds like it was more popular in reruns, I think, than it was in the initial run. So like Star well, Trek, I, I think it's it's like a lot of movies. You know, they don't have a great run in the theaters, right. and then they become cult classics, and they you know they get a ton of downloads or a ton of you know sell a lot of DVDs or whatever. That happens a lot. Yeah, for sure. But I remember watching it in reruns over and over and over again, and we had. Um, probably three different Partridge Family albums, and I know at least one of them we played enough that we had to buy another one because the record player just wore it out. And I think it might have been Mom's Break Time mm. record. Like, you kids are out of control. Here, dance around to the Partridge Family for a little while. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> we, we definitely have modern versions of that with our children. Are the Partridge Family the Frozen of the 1970s? <laughs> oh, that's a great way to say yeah. it. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, and, and, and you know, really, it goes through phases. You know, children get obsessed with different shows. I think right now we're watching Team Umizoomi. Okay, I don't know what Umizoomi. that is. Umizoomi, what that? What is that? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a show on, on Nick Jr. or PBS. Maybe it's pretty good. It's not terrible. All right, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't suck. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, kid, kids shows fall into two categories if you're a parent. One, the ones that are excruciatingly painful to have on. Right. And then other ones that aren't terrible. Right. <laughs> right. In my mind, there's only one exception, and it's Phineas and Ferb, which is genius. Right. <laughs> yes. Well, that's got to... Uh, what's his name? The platypus? Perry the platypus. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
<laughs> and, and and I think I think just to torture me, my two boys refuse to watch Phineas and Ferb. Of course. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, in any case, I digress. Yeah. So I was born. So I was born in 1971. So when I was old enough to watch and understand television shows that were not Sesame Street or Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, it was by that time it was the mid to late 70s, and the Partridge Family was in syndication and reruns. And the channel I would watch it on would run an episode of The Brady Bunch, and then they would run an episode of The Partridge Family right afterwards. So it was always The Brady Bunch first. So by the time I was done watching an episode of The Brady Bunch, I was really sick of looking at kids who were having a way better time than me. So like The Partridge Family would start, and I would say, ah, this sucks. And I'd see Danny Bonaducci's face, which to this day I still want to punch. And I didn't like the music even back then, and I would just turn off the TV. So I feel like I'm the most unqualified person on this pla- on this panel to to talk about the partridge family because i only sat through like a handful of episodes of this show when i was a kid because i think my sister liked david cassidy and i i mean this show is practically made in a laboratory for girls to like david cassidy so my <laughs> memories of this show are just kind of fuzzy and, and incomplete at best i i'm probably even less qualified than you I'm the youngest of the three of us. I was born in 1974, which was the last year that this show aired. Mm-hmm. And and I I didn't I didn't I don't think I realized the the connection or at least well just the connection between this and and the Brady Bunch because these two shows were kind of the same thing as you reach the fork in the road as as a child of do you like Star Trek or Star Wars? You know you, yes. most people will go one way or the other. So I I was a Star Wars kid and I was also a Brady Bunch kid. I really really like the Brady Bunch. And and I was aware of the Partridge Family, um, but just didn't I just didn't watch it. And even even reruns, I didn't watch it that much. But I still really enjoyed doing a deep dive on the research and preparation for the you know for the interview because it t- takes you in so many different directions. And 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 because it had music in the show, and they were almost a legitimate band, you know, it spills over into music just like it does TV. So. So I so I got caught up really quickly and I really enjoyed enjoyed the research. Well, and they didn't have just the TV show; they toured as the Partridge Family. They right, they right. did you know like it was an actual thing, like they were well, an and, actual and, band. So and, and similarly, uh, just to tie it back into the Monkees, the reason that the show the Monkees uh, ended is because they just became a band. Everybody decided that they'd rather just be a band and tour and perform music than be on TV shows. So the show got canceled. Yeah, huh? You know, like they all they all quit the show. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. I wasn't I able either. to figure out why the Partridge family ended other than just it ended. Just, you know, it just seemed like the natural life of a sitcom. You know what I mean? Like, Well, I thought about that, too, because I, I couldn't find anything either. The only thing I can think of is is like any other show in uh, the first one. Well, any show that involves children, they go from being cute, small children to being grown, less cute children. And then the show has to kind of <laughs> shift or or, <laughs> or it goes away. Right. I yeah. think this might have been. Well, first of all, some of the actors and, you know, like Dana Bon Bonaduce was always a problem. We might get into that later. But, you know, they go from being who they were when the show started to just a few years later. They're totally different people. Right. Yeah, that's true. that's true. Right. And then you get like Cousin Oliver on the Brady Bunch where they try to cute things up again and it just doesn't work. That happened on both shows. Yeah, yeah. it did. All right, well, let's get into it and talk about the peeps of the show. <laughs> let's do it. So do we want to talk uh, talk about the matriarch first? Do it. So uh, the mother on the show was played by Shirley Jones, as we discussed before. Uh, she uh, kept her first name, and the character was Shirley Partridge. When the show started, they actually contemplated her first name being Connie. Connie Partridge was going to be the main name of the main character, but then they went with Shirley Partridge. 
Right. But, you know, Shirley Partridge was, was born in 1934, and so she was in her mid-30s when she took this role. And, and she was was an accomplished f- film and stage actress. Right. She was in Oklahoma. She was in Carousel. She was in uh, The Music Man. So she had already been in acting for quite a long time and had a very well-established career. And uh, which, she, which she started at the age of six, by the way. Right. Shirley Jones was actually first approached to play the mother on the Brady Bunch. Right. And and she turned it down. And actually, Florence Henderson, who took the role of Carol Brady, was a close friend of hers. And so so Florence Henderson went uh, and took that role. And then when she was approached to take the role of Shirley Partridge, her manager told her not to take it. He said, you're going to get typecast and you're just going to be this person forever. And uh, and he was right. Yeah, and, he kind of so, was. <laughs> so, after the show ended, she she spent the rest of the 70s kind of in the land of television movies. She appeared in a comedy show called Shirley in 1969. And then she would appear uh, kind of infrequently in, in 80s movies. She did some fitness stuff, some fitness and beauty stuff, uh, and kind of wrapped up the 80s doing that, that sort of thing. And then for the next 15 years... She just had small parts in TV movies and series. You know, she would show up and, and do a guest spot here or there. Uh, but what's interesting is she did have uh, a steady gig until 2006. So even though this show ended, you know, what is that, 30 years before, you know, she stayed employed kind of as much as she wanted to, just not on steady projects. Right. Yeah. And she wrote a memoir, I want to say maybe three years ago, about her time on the Partridge family and about the rest of her career. And that people were actually shocked by because they had this image of Shirley Partridge in their in their brain, this wholesome Midwestern, you know, clean mom type figure. And um, uh, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of stuff in that memoir that was not Shirley Partridge esque, let's say. And it was it, it surprised a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and today she's 83 years old, and she actually has two projects coming out in, in 2018. One is called Forgiven the Gun for Hire, which also co-stars her stepson, David Cassidy, and another one called Bruce the Challenge, which, which actually, uh, this is an interesting note, it co-starred her late husband, Marty Ingalls, uh, who, who who she was married to for almost 40 years, but died in 2015 at the age of 79. Mm-hmm. So that that's where Shirley Jones is today. Cool. All right, so the next, David Cassidy was born in 1950. He is American. And he played Keith Partridge on the show. And he was born to musician parents who traveled a lot. Jack Cassidy and Evelyn Ward uh, are his parents. And so um, he was like born into the craft, kind of. So he made his professional debut in a Broadway musical called The Fig Leaves Are Falling. <laughs> it, it closed after four performances, but a casting director saw it and asked him to do a screen test. So then he moved to Los Angeles. He signed on with Universal Studios in 1969 and was featured in episodes of the television series Ironside, Marcus Welby, MD, and Adam 12, and Bonanza. So he was like a bit part player in those shows. And then 1970, he took on the role of Keith Partridge. And he played that for the entire run of the show. So um, he they weren't going to have him sing originally. And then he just kind of convinced them. He's like, no, I can sing. Watch. I think I love you. And then the producers were like, yeah, okay, it's fine. You, you do it. And <laughs> so, 
So after I Think I Love You became a huge hit, he began to work on solo albums as well as working on the program. And within the first year, he had produced his own single, uh, Cherish, from the album, the same title. And uh, that reached number nine in the United States and number two in the United Kingdom and then number one in Australia and New Zealand. So he began to get like super duper stardom like right away. So um, after the fart part of the Fartridge family. That's a different show. That's a totally different show. That is not a, that's not the same show. It's also going to be included in the bloopers at the end of this episode. Nice. And I'm going to put in a fart sound effect. Uh, I think you better. Paul might have some. He can just give them to you. Yeah, just go ahead and send that over if you wouldn't mind. (laughs) Of course. I have a whole library of them. (laughs) So glad to know that. Uh, well, anyway, he became such an instant success, um, and he sold out so well that the media coined the term Cassidy Mania about him. So here's an example. He played two sellout crowds of 56,000 people each in the Houston Astrodome in Texas over one weekend in 1972. Oh, wow. His concert in New York's Madison Square Garden sold out in one day and resulted in riots after the show. Um, his tours Man. of the United Kingdom sold out and included six sellout concerts at Wembley Stadium over one weekend in 1973. In Australia in 1974, um, it was bad enough that they made call. People were asking for him to be deported from the country. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So this is, yeah, especially because there was a. 33,000 or yeah, 33,000 person uh, audience concert at the Melbourne Cricket Ground that I guess things didn't go too well. So I think we're better at managing crowds these days, honestly. But man, that's a huge crowd, you know? Wow. Um, yeah, it sure is. So, and this didn't all turn out great. He had a he had one instance where a gate was stampeded and there was a little there was a death at a show in London's White City Stadium in 1974. 800 people were injured in a crush at the front of the stage, and 30 of them were taken to the wow. hospital, and one 14-year-old girl called Bernadette Whelan died at uh, in London a few days later without ever regaining consciousness, and it's a death, it's a death that, uh, it, that it has haunted David Cassidy for his whole life. And apparently she had a heart condition that nobody knew about. And the, the stampede just triggered her cardiac arrest. Mm. And that's why she died. But, oh, well. but Dang. can you imagine if you were him though? So, uh, I mean, he was just trying to make sense out of it all. And he was a very young man and he, he didn't want to turn the girl's funeral into a media circus. So he didn't go, but he did speak to her parents and sent flowers and, all of this. So that was a huge, you know, sort of depressing thing that happened to him pretty early on. So, um, well, and, yeah. and professional athletes have to contend with situations like that from time to time. Yes. I, I know that it's, it's yeah. happened in baseball and hockey in the last several years. Yep. Yep. It's true. So he 
kind of just kept being musically successful, mostly, as I said, in the United Kingdom. Uh, he's very, very famous over there. He went all over the place and was like crazy, 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 crazy famous forever and ever. So in 1998, we're going head a little bit. He had a adult contemporary music hit with number one bridge I wouldn't cross. And I've never heard of that. Have you ever heard of this? His, no, I haven't heard he of it He had an album called Old Trick New Dog. And in 2001, <clears throat> his album Then and Now went platinum internationally and returned him to the top five of the UK charts. For the first time since 1974, so that was crazy. Man, he's done a ton. Um, He performed in musical theater. He was in Yankee Doodle Dandy. He was a guest on Celebrity Apprentice in 2011. (laughs) 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 Well, he he had um, some alcohol problems in 2008. He admitted to an alcohol problem. He was arrested for a DUI in 2010. And then another time in 2013. So, yeah, he was doing not so great. He was driving around under the influence. And oh boy. he... Can I add a personal anecdote that dovetails with what you just said? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So after after 13 years, I switched companies. Mm-hmm. And I was brought on to work on a particular piece of business with someone else at my company. Right. Who, who also had an alcohol problem. And that was in late 2013. We went on a really interesting trip while he was still dealing with his alcoholism uh, oh through, the sta- through the state of Illinois, uh-huh. oh which, is a, which is a story for another day. But it resulted in the following January or sometime the following spring, uh, him ending up in a rehab facility in early right. 2014. And his roommate was David Cassidy. Oh. Huh. Wow. How do you, what do you know? Yeah. So so just to stay in touch while he was down there, he would call me and, and David Cassidy was was in his room with him. <laughs> cool. Well, he faced felony charges for DUI and he, he was sentenced in 2015. Gosh. Was, yeah, he was in a lot of trouble because what of a his, silly goose. Because of his alcoholism, but he is better now. He's doesn't drink anymore. He, however, the latest thing on Cassidy is that he is doing activism for Alzheimer's disease because he has dementia. So he, uh, which actually his, runs in his family. Yeah, he has. He's his mother had it, and so he's been mm-hmm. campaigning for it since like 2011, I think I said. And then he announced this year that he will stop touring this year because he has dementia himself now. So Yeah, and he, there's a really sad quote regarding that. It says, uh, I was in denial, uh, but a part of me always knew that this was coming. That's what he had to say about his diagnosis. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is so sad. It is really sad. Because he's, he's, he's not that old of a guy. No, he's 67. Yeah. Hmm. So. Just when you're yeah. kind of getting your life together and, and getting things back in order, boom. That kind of thing hits you. That's sad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is true. So that's David Cassidy. Really good guy. Still alive. Did pretty well out of the Partridge family, sounds like. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely enjoyed huge success, both in the United States and overseas for for quite a while. So good for him. Okay, so let's go from one of the better known characters in the Partridge family to one of the lesser known characters in the Partridge family. And the actor's name is Jeremy Gelbwax, and or well, Gel Gelbwax, Gelbwax. I don't know. He was the first actor to play the role of Chris Partridge, who was the drummer for the band. He lasted exactly one season. Uh, David Cassidy wrote a memoir entitled "Come On, Get Happy: Fear and Loathing on the pa- Partridge Family Bus." 
Uh, that was a book that he wrote, and, and he said that Gelbwachs, quote, had a personality conflict with every person in the cast and the producers, which sounds like a, a quick way to not have a job for very long. He was replaced by another actor. Nobody noticed. Literally nobody noticed. Partially, <laughs> probably, because he was the drummer. Yeah. But ABC, the network that the show was on, has since gone on record saying that they did not receive a single complaint about switching him out. And so Gelbwak's acting career was over with. He yeah, is, even even given the fact that they went from him, who was dark-headed, to a, a blonde-haired to actor. To a blonde, which, and nobody complained, yeah. nobody noticed, nobody cared. So <laughs> he's still alive, he's married, he lives in New Orleans, and he works as a business and technology planner. Huh. So, so he, esca- he escaped acting, got into the real world. He did. That was his last job. That was... One of his first jobs and definitely the last job, the Partridge family. I read that his parents actually decided to to take him out of it because it was just too taxing on him. Yeah, he was probably he was probably rotten to begin with, and then just the exhaustion from the schedule on that probably made him even more hard to deal with. And there's kids like that. Look, there's kids that are jerks. Yep. So he might have been one of them. I don't know. Don't sue me, please, Mr. Gelbwax. <laughs> I'm just guessing. <laughs> I hope my, sh- my podcast is successful enough that Jeremy Gelbox stumbles upon it. <laughs> if that's the worst thing that happens, I have to contend with his complaints about our comments. That I- I'm not going to be worried about that. You've been served by Mr. Gelbox's attorney. <laughs> I'll be yes. so caught off guard if that happens. <laughs> what the heck? What a curveball that would be. Who? Who's oh. suing me? What? All right. <laughs> You just throw it in the garbage because I think it's junk mail. <laughs> Gelbwax, that's not even a real name. That's a Nigerian prince letter right there. Right. I'm not sending you any money, sir. <laughs> There's way too many consonants in that name. I agree. Bye, Val, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now we're going to get to another uh, member of the cast that I, I think was fairly popular it was the actress was susan day she played laurie partridge <laughs> yeah no, no yeah we'll get to no kidding i, I agree <laughs> susan day was born on december 10 1952 so she was just uh, two years younger than uh, uh david cassidy at the time actually she's still she's still two years younger than david cassidy <laughs> <laughs> no she got older than him a few yeah. years ago their, their difference in age has not changed over and over time but anyway, she was she was 17 years old when she won the part, and actually had no previous acting experience. Uh, before that, she was she was a model. In 1977, after she was done with the Partridge Family, she starred opposite William Cat in a romance film called First Love. Do either of you recognize the name William Cat? No. No, not right off the top of my head. He would have been the title character and the star of the show Greatest American Hero. Ah. Oh, that guy. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I can't believe you like that song and you don't like the Partridge family. What's wrong with you? I'm a weird guy. (laughs) I can't explain my brain. I'm sorry. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I've said something similar about myself. <laughs> like all the all the time to everyone, I have to say that. <laughs> I'm always thankful that I'm around people that I know because I just say, I mean, you know me, so just let's move on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, let's not rehash this. So obviously, she played Lori Partridge, and uh, reportedly, she had a crush on David Cassidy at the time. Well, who didn't? 
<laughs> exactly. And by the way, I agree with you, Paul. I, I haven't spent a lot of time looking up old pictures of, of Susan Day from when she was on the show. But as I researched the, the show, I was like, wow, she was a really attractive young girl at the yeah. time. And apparently she and David Cassidy actually did try to have some sort of relationship and it just it didn't work out. Well, yeah. So what happened was is that she had a crush on on David Cassidy, but David Cassidy was who was twenty at the time when the, when the show started airing uh, was too busy entertaining interest from fans. Uh, but after the, sh- <laughs> understandably, because he was a rock star and a TV star, and so when the show was over, they actually did give it a run, but it, it was very short lived and, and never turned into anything anything significant. So after the sh- show was over, she continued to act on and off. She actually co starred with Albert Finney in the 1981 science fiction film Looker, which I've never heard of or seen. Hmm. She had a leading role in the 1986 film Echo Park as a struggling uh, waitress actress who takes the job as a stripper who delivers singing telegrams. (laughs) I haven't seen that one either. (laughs) It sounds like a terrific film, and I'm sorry that I missed it. (laughs) However, also and then later in 1986... She took up the role we we know her best for outside of the Partridge family, Assistant District Attorney Grace Van Owen. Yes! I love that show. Yes, and a lot of people did, and it had a nice long run. In fact, she won a Golden Globe for Actress in a Leading Role in a Drama Series. She was also nominated for an Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series in 1987, 88, and 89. Wow. Good for her. I liked her in L.A. Law, too. Yeah, she was probably one of the most popular characters on there next to uh, Corbin Burnson. Yeah, like, join the crowd. We meet at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> so Day was mentioned in Shirley Jones's memoir as the only cast member who consistently refused to take part in Partridge Family Reunions. Yeah. I wonder why that was. Maybe because of our next character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm looking forward to getting into that then. Day worked consistently for almost 25 years between 1970 and 1995, and then, then she kind of did very little. <clears throat> Her last acting credit is from 2004 when she appeared in a two-part episode of the TV show Third Watch. Cool. So mm-hmm. so since 2004, she's kept a pretty low profile. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. Are we ready to move on to the ginger bully? Let's do Please. this. Let's rip Please. the band-aid off. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, I'm going to turn things over to Donna, who's going to tell you all about her fondness for Danny Bonaducci. Well, it's not just my fondness. It seems that it's a lot of people's fondness. He's one of those guys that that everybody does not like, but somehow he ends up getting a lot of media time anyway. Like, I don't know what it's all about, because he's got a very punchable face. And (laughs) if you look at pictures of him as a child... I mean, his face still, you know. Oh, I'm so glad it's, it's not, not just It's not punchable me. because he's a child, but it's like the kind of face that you're like, when he is legally uh, available for punching, <laughs> <laughs> people will want to punch him. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad it's not just me. Danny Bonaduce was born in 1959. He has been all sorts of stuff during his career. He's been a... A radio television personality, a comedian, a professional west, uh, professional wrestler. I cannot talk today. No, go with that. He was a professional wrestler, and of course, he was in the Partridge Family as a child actor. Can I request that we please put some of those things in quotes, especially comedian and professional wrestler? <laughs> I was going <laughs> to ask don't. about his professional wrestling career. How substantial was that? I don't know. I don't follow professional wrestling because it's soap operas for dudes, and I'm not a dude, so, uh, you know, 
(laughs) That surprises me that you don't follow professional wrestling. (laughs) Like, but you never know. I might have been. I might have been. I might have been like, ah, he played this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know enough about it to joke about it. (laughs) (laughs) He played the foil to the iron cheek. Yeah. So we're not going to talk too much about Danny Partridge because he's, you know, Danny Bonaduce and he's probably arguably the most famous person of the cast in the United States. So most people that are listening to us are probably familiar with everything that he's done. Uh, but but he's been on lots of TV shows, lots of radio shows, uh, done all sorts of stuff. He's been in altercations with a ton of people. So he's just gotten in a lot of weird situations like as an adult, he boxed Donny Osmond in a charity event. <laughs> oh, I remember that. That was so bizarre. Oh. And then later, he boxed a former Brady Bunch guy, Barry Williams. Oh, in, in both <laughs> cases, I was hoping for just a knockdown, drag-out fight with no clear-cut winner. That's all I remember about those two matches. <laughs> I don't remember this at all, but apparently he won them both. Huh. Um, As if it mattered. Then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was for a charity thing, so I don't know. I guess he he's done like lots of boxing and stuff. Sure. Like blah blah blah. So he's gotten arrested a ton of times, and this is and what I'm going to talk about them only because they're funny because it just made him more famous. So. I know his his rap sheet is better is better than than his film resume. Yeah, it's fabulous. He in 1990 he was arrested while attempting to buy cocaine in Daytona Beach. And he was there to host an event for Dare. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Hi-o. At least wait till after the event, Danny. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) In 1991, he was arrested in Phoenix for beating up Darius Barney, who is a transvestite prostitute. Uh, Authorities said the victim suffered a broken nose and a cut to his face. And then he was fired for for that. He was fired from his radio station. And then later in the same year, he pleaded guilty to reduce charges. And uh, he was required to pay the guy's medical bills. Um, Good for him. (laughs) And then the same radio station that (laughs) fired him for buying cocaine hired him back later that same year. Sure, wow. (laughs) That's happened to me. I'm not going to throw stones. <laughs> and in 2010, while appearing on a reunion of famous families on NPCs, NPC? God, Non-playable characters, yeah. Nigel P. Cucumber. <laughs> NPC. <laughs> then in 2010, when he was appearing on a reunion of famous TV families on The Today Show, David Cassidy said, Whenever Bonaduce gets arrested, for some reason, people call me. <laughs> <laughs> Like he's his handler. And they're still friends. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're still friends. So I picture this friendship as like the one guy who's like the sort of successful, handsome, you know, easygoing dude who's like talented and everybody likes him. Like, Bob, what's going on? And then his best friend is always just this loser. This guy who's like, hi, I'm Fred. (laughs) I drink a lot. I throw up on people in public, <laughs> and I cause trouble everywhere I go. And his friend is like, yeah, that's my buddy. You know, he's, uh, 
got a few problems, but he's a good guy. That's kind of how I see that. So. Sure. All right, so let's move on. Did you already mention where, where Danny Bonaduce is today? Uh-uh. <laughs> I lost interest. <laughs> <laughs> he's alive. Your update on where Dan- Danny Bonaduce is today is somehow, some way, he's not dead. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, my, my, uh, my, somehow he made it to whatever age he is. Despite <laughs> all <laughs> oxygen. Yeah. Yeah, d- yeah. Despite all of his stupidity and, and missteps, he's still breathing oxygen out there somewhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't think there's more to say oh about it. God. I think that's a perfect way to wrap it up. Absolutely. Let's move on to Suzanne Crew, whose name I just learned how to pronounce this week because I always thought it was Cruff. It's rough with hmm. a C at the yeah. beginning, so I thought it was Cruff, but it's yeah. Crew. So she <laughs> she played Tracy Partridge, who was the youngest member of the family. She was the cute little redhead. She barely ever spoke, and normally her dialogue as the youngest one in the family was like one or two words, or maybe she would ask an adult an embarrassing questions, and very often she was Danny's little sidekick. And I always felt kind of bad for her because, like, you know, she's little. She doesn't sing. She doesn't really have any apparent musical talent. She can't be a roadie because she's not big enough to haul the gear around. So what do you do with her? Because you have to put her somewhere on stage because she's a cute little kid. And I guess they found out that she had a very, like, a rudimentary sense of rhythm. So what you Uh do with somebody like that is you give her a tambourine. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she, like, beat the, you know, the tambourine on stage and, and took up space. So, well, and, and as, <laughs> as part of my research, obviously you end up watching a lot of videos of them. And, and I paid attention to her because she looked so small. She was so, so young. And she kept pretty good time. Did she really? Yeah. She wasn't, te- not, yeah. I mean, not terrible. Good for her. Yeah. yeah. She has a cute little freckle face, cutie pie. And super Just cute kid. She had a few yeah. acting jobs after the Partridge family ended. And she did other TV shows and she did some TV movies and she did some cartoon voice work. But. By 1980, her acting career was pretty much finished. In 2010, she was on a reunion interview with several co-stars from the Partridge family on the Today Show, where she said that she was a manager at an office max in Arizona. Yep. Wow. And uh, sadly, as the ladies from the Rough Giraffe podcast would say, Suzanne will not be joining us for dinner because... Nope, she's not coming to dinner. Nope, she's not coming to dinner. In 2015, she was found dead at her home in Las Vegas... She, they didn't know how she died. They did an autopsy. They found out that she had a rare genetic heart condition that nobody was aware of. Oh, wow. So at the unripe young age of 52, she left us. Aww. That's a shame. Aww. Yeah. She sounded like a really nice lady, too. Yep. And, and knew a lot about staplers. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You need a good stapler. She knew right where the sticky notes were. She could recommend a desk chair that she'll absolutely love. <laughs> If you want a stand-up desk, then Suzanne Crew is the was the one to talk to. That's right. She would set you right up. Right up. Uh-huh. If you want an HP computer, they're over there on aisle 17. She's going to point you towards them. Oh, that's terrible. This is not funny. Why are we laughing? Oh, God. Oh, that's horrible. Uh. Okay. All right, well, <laughs> let's move on from our horribleness into the next character. Unless there was more to say about her. Was there more nope, to say? No, that's it. Okay. Thank you, Suzanne. Well, thanks, Paul. I'll take it from here. The next person we're going to discuss is Brian Forster. And I accidentally 
Um, I accidentally t- typed into Google Brian Foster and, and found a professional MMA wrestler. Uh, that was not him. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the same person. His name is Brian Forster, and he played Chris Partridge, but not the entire show. Uh, as we talked about earlier, he replaced Jeremy Grifrich. Grand- <laughs> he nailed it. He he uh, he replaced the previous adorable child that only lasted for the first season. Uh, he was there for the rest of the run of the show from seasons two through four. He also played vocals and drums. Good for him. Brian Forster had this to say about being a cast member on the show, which I thought was kind of fun. It said, I remember being in the fourth or fifth grade dancing around to I Think I Love You. And all of a sudden I was going to be on the show. So I was pretty excited. Oh, good for him. Aww. Yeah. So, so I mean, so can you imagine being a small child? In fact, he was 10 when he was cast on the show. I'm sorry, he was 11. Going from being a fan of the show to being on the show. That's crazy. That's good. Good for him, man. So Forster is the son of actor Peter Forster, the stepson of actor uh, Whit Bissell, who I've never heard of, the step-grandson of Alan Napier, who I've also never heard of. However, Alan Napier, do you you guys recognize that name? No. No. Alan Napier actually portrayed Alfred the Butler on the Batman television series from 1966 to 1968. All right. Well, now I do know who that is. And here's my favorite note about Brian Forster. He is the great, great, great grandson of author Charles Dickens. All right. Cool. So understandably, he uh, he only had a few parts before before that. And other than a one-time voice role in 1977, uh, he didn't act on TV or movies after that. And as of 2003, uh, Forster was a race car driver and instructor in Northern California. Uh, he also continued to act in community theater. How cool is that, though? He's a race car driver. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it doesn't talk about what he's been doing since 2003. So other than, other than not being dead, uh, he's just kind of existing out there. He's doing this. That's exactly what he's doing. Thank you for that update. (laughs) It's the best Foley work that's ever been on your podcast ever. (laughs) I I cannot explain what... I can't explain what my problem is today, but you've, you've just experienced it. I would it. not call it a problem. Lucky you. Yeah, exactly. That is not a problem. <laughs> that is a delight. You could do that as often as you like. I don't know what's wrong with me today. Oh I will finish with this one last note about Brian. He he had the, you remember he was the drummer on the on the show, and he said uh, he had this note. Uh, he's met numerous drummers who told him that they were inspired to take up playing the drums by his Partridge Family character, Chris. He embarrassedly admitted that he's never actually learned how to play the drums, but merely faked it for the cameras. Huh. Fake it. Fake it until you make it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now we're going to talk about possibly most annoying adorable child, and that is Ricky Seagal, who played Ricky Stevens. <sighs> so this character was brought in to revive the series, and it pretty much didn't work. So... <laughs> Let me tell you why. (laughs) There's a Partridge Family tribute site I was surfing, and the person who wrote it said, and I quote, Rick, if you're surfing this site, please don't take it personally. (laughs) 
<laughs> we know you are an unwitting pawn of the Hollywood machine. You seem to be a very intelligent, nice, and charming man today. It's just when you were four years old and screeching on TV, you were, well, annoying as all get out. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great note. So, yeah, he was not a liked character, so... Um, he went on after Partridge Family to do a little bit of TV, did a little Little House on the Prairie, some police woman, a whole bunch of others. He was uh, t- in two series of the Tim Conway show as a regular. <clears throat> and uh, then he started doing theater at age 12, and that seems to have taken up pretty much all of his career ever since. And uh, he is now doing a critically acclaimed 80-minute multi-character one-man show called Barbarian which the critics love, and it's been in various venues around the country, and that seems to be what he's still doing today. I went and looked at the Facebook page, and he is all one man showing all over the place. So he's maybe just a little bit uh, older than me. So, yeah. Nice. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. So he's like, burp. (laughs) I used to be on the Partridge Family, and now I'm not anymore. He was on the Partridge Family for, like, the, the time that it takes us to talk about him being on the party. <laughs> <laughs> While most people got 15 minutes of fame, he got like two and a half minutes of fame. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. So our last cast member is Dave Madden. He already had an acting career going into the Partridge family. He actually started at 13 years old. He had gotten into a, a bicycle accident and he started doing magic tricks and that turned into performing those magic tricks, which turned into an acting career. So all his other roles before and after the Partridge Family were like little bit parts and one-offs and some voice acting, but he was in all 96 episodes of the Partridge Family. He was the band's manager, Ruben Kincaid. He was frequently frustrated and exasperated and kind of a curmudgeon because his character didn't like kids. Well, in real life, he got along better with the kids than he did with the adults on the set. <laughs> and um, yeah, he, he actually got close to Danny Bonaducci. He knew that Danny Bonaducci had a troubled home life and he took him into his home and, and really kind of like mentored him and was like a father to him, which was pretty nice. He was a heavy smoker. And in the Partridge Family episode titled Each Dawn I Diet, Danny and Reuben make a bet that Reuben could abstain from smoking longer than Danny could from eating junk food. And they had that bet going on hmm. and that actually helped him to quit smoking in real life. Wow, no kidding. Yep, absolutely. Hmm. You would think that him being the oldest member of the cast, he would be the one to die first. And you would be right. He died in 2014 at the age of 82. Oh, that's a good run, though. He had a really good run. I think he he acted up until 2000, I think. He had a good long career. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, that's the cast, and that's where they are today. Now, I want to touch just briefly on the notable guest stars that were on the show. There were actually a whole list of pretty significant celebrities at the time that made appearances on the show. Uh, I'm just going to run through them, and, and you guys can comment however you like. And, and I, the, the list was much longer than this. I just picked names that I recognized. Uh, so one of right. them was John Aston, who was father of Sean Aston, who I believe is star of Rudy and Lord of the Rings, right? Right. Dick Clark was on the show, and there was a note that Shirley Jones actually did not enjoy his appearance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Howard Cosell, uh, Jodie Foster, who was 11 and made an appearance on the show. That was just before she uh, broke out and did some things as a young actress. Uh, Harry Morgan, who was the star of Dragnet and played Colonel Potter from MASH. Horse hockey. I was just watching an episode with him in it today. Actually. Is that right? Harry, yes. Harry Morgan's great, isn't he? 
He's so good. Uh, Musician Slim Pickens was on the show. Comedian Richard Pryor. And this one actually really surprised me. And then when I read the note, I wasn't at all surprised. (laughs) Shirley Jones in her memoir mentioned that uh, she also did not enjoy him appearing as he was completely drugged up and incoherent not in his appearance. (laughs) Aw, poor guy. But you're like, that's Richard Pryor during that time. So that's not that surprising. Uh, Larry Wilcox, who uh, at the time was, was a TV star. He played John Baker opposite Eric Estrada on Chips. Yes. I know this guy as a, as a game show host. I don't know what else he did, but Burt Convy was on the show. Yep. This is where it gets more uh, interesting for me. Farrah Fawcett, who I had an enormous crush yes. on. And, and, and so I'll, yes. I'll, I'll comment further on that in just a second. Lou Gossett Jr. was on the show. Yeah, Mark yeah. Hamill, who uh, had not yet starred in Star Wars because that came several years later, but he was he guested on the show. Supermodel Cheryl Ladd, actor Richard Mulligan, who actually I don't remember from his earlier career, but in the... I think in the 80s, he, st- he starred in the sitcom called uh, Empty Nest, which I thought was pretty good. Charlotte Ray, who I didn't immediately recognize her name, but she uh, was in Different Strokes and played Mrs. Garrett on Facts of Life. Sure. Nice. What, one of my favorite entertainers and creators of all time, Rob Reiner, was on the show. Yes. And one of my favorite actresses from, from my childhood, Jacqueline Smith, who played one of the brunette uh, actresses on Charlie's Angels. Oh, now you're talking. Yes. Yes. So, so yep. two Charlie's Angels uh, appeared on the show. However... This was before that show was even created. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So cool. Uh, so so a lot of a lot of these people were came on the show. I don't know where they came from or how they ended up guesting on the show, but it was even it was before they actually did the thing that they're most known for. Yes. Oh, and, and there is there is one more. Even Johnny Cash made an uncredited cameo in the pilot episode. Huh. <laughs> That's so cool. So how wow. how cool is that? Pretty cool. Yeah. So a pretty yes. pretty long list of pretty notable people that were that were on the show during their very brief four year run. So I talked about the music a little while. I just thought you'd want to know, like, uh, where they were on the billboards. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very curious. I kind of was curious about this, so I decided to look. And what do you think is their number one Billboard hit ever? I think I love you. It's the first one. I think I yeah, love that you. Yeah, that would have been Absolutely. my guess. Yep. The second one is "Doesn't Someone Want to Be Wanted," which peaked at number six in 1971. "I'll Meet You Halfway," which peaked at nine. In 1971, I woke up in love this morning, which I love that song. Uh, peaked at 13 in 1971. Seeing a trend here, 1971, kind of a big year for these guys. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's one of these years, or one, or one of these nights. Uh, 1972 peaked at 20. Breaking up is hard to do. 1972 peaked at 28. Looking through the eyes of love. 1973, 39. <clears throat> Am I losing you? Number 59, 1972, and friend and a lover. Peaked at 99 in 1973, and that's the best that they did. Um, but, uh, yeah, they did pretty decently. Uh, and I'll actually add an additional note about I Think I Love You. Did you guys know mm-hmm. that that song went straight to number one on the Billboard charts in 1970, and it actually outsold the Beatles, whose latest hit was Let It Be at the time? <laughs> yes, I read that. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, that isn't that crazy? I'm yep. not surprised. I'm not surprised. I, I don't... Um, I wasn't cognizant the year that that song came out but it was popular enough for long enough that you know it had to have made a pretty good impression you know it's got a big good beat you can dance to it you know (laughs) i like the song i think it's great i do too i love it so (laughs) all right you guys want some fun facts about the partridge family yes i think i think we all i think we all have some fun facts that we're gonna share i got just a couple of them here 
So the Partridge family's house was used in the television shows Bewitched, Dennis the Menace, and I Dream of Jeannie, in, a, in addition to the Partridge family. And it was blown the hell up in the movie Lethal Weapon. Ah, nice. And I can actually add to that note. Are you ready? Go for it. Last year when I interviewed Ellen Latson from Christmas Vacation, who played Ruby Sue on that movie, she said that the Griswold house was near the Lethal Weapon house. So apparently that house was in that neighborhood, too. Oh, wow. Cool. Yep. This was funny. Yep. There was a dog in the first season, and the dog was called Simone. And then when the second season started, the dog was gone, and the family never brought her name up. There was no explanation ever given about what happened to the dog. The dog just disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you know what's funny is, you guys may have come across this, but there were about three or four different notes of stuff that they did in season one, or at least for the first few episodes, and then just stopped doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like they had a podcast, except it was on film. Like they just right. tried some stuff until they got it dialed in. Yeah, like like, like they changed that the the one actor uh, Shirley Jones actually narrated for the first few episodes, and then they just stopped. They changed the theme song, and there were a couple other things that they did for one season, and and then not not after that. So the family, the Partridge family, actually appeared in animated form as guests on the show Goober and the Ghost Chasers, which I'd never heard of. So that gave the producers an idea for a new show. So the Partridge family was launched into the future and they became an animated family on Partridge Family 2200 AD, which was a cartoon. And most of the real characters didn't have any involvement with the series at all. And so the I actually do remember Partridge Family 2200 AD and it was pure garbage. It only lasted for one season, 16 episodes. And it was just it was it was bad. I think it was a combination of, of the Jetsons being so popular and a couple of other things. But yeah, if they would have just stuck to more of like a Scooby-Doo thing, I think they might have could have gone somewhere with that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It was a lot like the Jetsons. Like if you watch right. the opening on YouTube, yes. it's the Jetsons, except you stick little cartoon Partridge family members in it. Right. It's exactly the same thing. There was a lot of merchandising that went with the Partridge family. There was a lot of records, a lot of lunchboxes, you know, those terrible halloween costumes with the plastic masks that would dig into your face and all that stuff and the kids never saw a penny of that the networks made all that money and most of the kids did not reap any of the benefits from all that merchandising that their faces were on i read an additional note about that that uh, david cassidy's manager who was pretty shrewd looked back at his contract and because he was under 18 when he signed it that the contract was considered void and he was able to renegotiate a higher salary. Yes. I mean, I think he did okay, but it was mostly out of his other stuff that he did later. So. Well, before that, he was making $600 a week, so yeah. he wasn't getting rich off the Part Partridge family. Well, no, $600 no. a week in, what, 1965 money? Or wait, no, 1970 money, was that was a good paycheck. It was a good paycheck, but it wasn't like he was going to be, you know... Building his own, building his own rocket ship or anything. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't the same as the millions that, that the network was making off the show. Oh no, not not yeah. at all. Did you guys know that there was a Partridge Family board game? <laughs> I do not remember the Partridge Family board. I game. I don't either, but <laughs> but it was in, it was in partnership with Milton Bradley. Uh, so you can go out on uh, eBay maybe and find that uh, find that for yourself. I think I mentioned this earlier that Susan Day did not want to stay in touch. She didn't go to any of the reunions. And actually, when VH1 approached her about doing a documentary about the show, she turned him down flat. She was not interested. Huh. Wow. Huh. This next note actually made me kind of sad. So the bus, which was a, a, a major part of the show, obviously. I love the bus. The bus was introduced in the pilot episode after the family purchased it from a used car dealership. It appears in almost every episode of the show. However, after the show wrapped filming, the bus was not treated as a pop icon. 
normally something like that would go to auction or one of the cast members would, you know, or a crew member would keep it or whatever. But instead, the bus apparently ended up behind Lucy's Tacos right near uh, USC. And uh, when, when the restaurant repaved its parking lot, uh, they sent the very worn bus down to the junkyard. Ah, so it got crushed. Well, I'd like to think that they took that bus and they crushed it and melted it, and it became other cars that were then crushed and melted, which became our cars, and now we're driving around with a little piece of the Partridge family bus. Each one of us. <laughs> That's how I prefer to look at it. You're always so positive and optimistic. Love that. That's a great way to think of it. But isn't that sad that such such an icon of television is is not around? Nostalgia, yeah. You would think that somebody would have grabbed that right up and restored it and and kept it real nice. Like, unbelievable. Yeah. Because if they had, then somebody would be like, I have a tiny home and it's in the Partridge family bus. And they'd have a tiny house magazine coming in and taking pictures and stuff. Check it out. For all the things that have been kept from from pop culture, I cannot believe that the Partridge Family bus was just neglected. Yeah. Anyway, I'll I'll finish up with this note. When David Cassidy announced that he was not coming back for for the fifth season, the network actually went out and tried to find someone to replace him because they wanted to continue the show. And one of the people they talked to was Rick Springfield. Oh, wow. Oh. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah, who who actually had already had an established music career at the time, but he was considering the job. But then uh, there was not a fifth season, and so Rick never appeared on the show. Well, that's the end of it. That's the end of the list of things that we researched about where are the Partridge family now. And I feel like we kind of know where they all are now. So we have done our jobs. Our work here is done. Yes, we've finally located all of them. We've offered a public service to our listener. So toil no further. (laughs) Now you have the answers to your questions. (laughs) You don't need to do any of the looking yourself now, listener, because we've done it all for you. Yes, and we've done it free of charge just for you to enjoy. You're welcome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> guys, thanks for coming by. This is really fun. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you bet. And yeah. uh, we look forward to you guys being on the show uh, next time. Cool. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for cool. having me. It was fun. And thanks for doing my suggestion because I love Partridge Ah, uh, that's right. So listeners, you have uh, Donna Hume to thank because she's the one that requested that we research the Partridge family. And I'm glad she did because it was a blast. <laughs> now the listener's going, I hate the Partridge family. <laughs> Curse you, Donna Hume. <laughs> but seriously, guys, thanks for coming on the show again. We, we look forward to having you on sometime in the future. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, Tove. Woohoo, this was fun. You bet. Thanks, man. Gravity Beard is a proud member of the Podfix Network. And the network has grown this year. We've added four new shows so far. Weird With You, The Fan Film Boys, The Scooby-Doo Justice Project, and most recently, Loot Quest. Please subscribe and check those out. You can go to podfixnetwork.com to see a complete list of our network shows. Please also consider subscribing to Podfix Presents. It's a podfix by all the Podfix hosts, where you can hear exclusive original content that you'll not hear on their individual shows. Our theme song is Sophomore Makeout by Silent Partner. Of course, this episode is loaded with songs by the Cal Sills and the Partridge family. This song is also by a silent partner. It's called The Only Girl. Both those songs can be found on the YouTube audio library. So many great things coming up on the show. Be sure to tune in next week when Adam and I will be celebrating the first anniversary of This Week Today. I've got a special surprise for you on that episode. In fact, I haven't even told Adam what we're doing. Until next time, this is Gravity Beard. It's what your ears will want to be listening to.
This was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.